talk about a risen Savior and a God who is alive. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and praise Him with me right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Brother Joey and Corral, for the wonderful music and singing. You didn't do that to entertain us. But I think that's what some folks take this for is entertainment. This is not entertainment. This is involvement. When you get involved in what we're singing and you get to thinking about what we're talking about, something's going to happen in your life that will change you. It'll change your attitude. You come in here with a sour, swole-up disposition and you can come into the presence of the Lord and it'll put all of that down. You can come in here confused and messed up in your mind and just start singing about the goodness and the mercy and the redemption of the Lord and it'll pick you up. Oh, yes, it will. Hallelujah. I think we've been spoiled by Hollywood. We think other things are important, but this is what really is important today. Jesus is alive and well. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. If you have your Bibles for just a few moments, if you would, I would take you to the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, and I'm going to read from this wonderful book, but for a few moments, if you will, let me turn your attention to the word of the Lord and share with you what I feel like the Lord has given to me this week. Ephesians, the first chapter, verse number 15, reads like this. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, that he would give unto you the spirit of insight and he would give you revelation or the knowledge or understanding in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened or open that you may know. Everybody say that you may know. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. I don't know if you got all that, but when I started reading that, I got excited. That you might know and understand, be enlightened and be enriched to know that what he did at that morning 2,000 years ago has an effect and an influence on us right here today. Amen. And that you would know, everybody say it again, that you would know what is the hope of your calling and what you should get excited about. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 16, one of the four Gospels Mark's writing here in 16 gives us 
a thumbnail sketch of what happened on that first Easter morning. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, that first day of the week, they came under the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering in to the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in white, long white garments, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Hallelujah. Four of the greatest words ever spoken. He is not here. Hallelujah. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they among uh, anything to any man, for they were afraid. Verse 9 said, And when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And everybody said amen. amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about Easter promises. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to do it again. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. We celebrate Easter today in a world that is shadowed by so many uncertainties. There is war and there is chaos and economic distress and unrest and confusion almost everywhere you turn. Uh, you cannot pick up the newspaper or read news on the internet or hear it over a television where you do not become aware of how desperately sick our world is. And in the midst of all of that chaos and all of the war and confusion, there is a, an effort to rewrite history because we don't like what we've read and we don't like the implications of what is there and so our world is in the process of rewriting our history so that they can liberate us from the narrow-minded thinking that some of our history seems to bring to fruition in a person's life when they realize that there are right and wrong and there are things that are good and evil and you cannot confuse the two. But in the midst of all of that, I come to say one word this morning, and that word is hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And in spite of everything that the world can think to do, they cannot unempty that tomb. They cannot put him back in that grave. They cannot rewrite 
that particular fact. And amid the tremendous events of this day, Easter reminds me of certain unshakable things that I can base my life upon and that I can live my life from. Easter is not about Easter bunnies and eggs and it is not about a lot of the other thing that we have come to make it. A great holiday weekend where we can forget about God and go do our own thing. But Easter is in fact a celebration of the greatest thing that's happened to mankind. Amen. And somebody ought to say, I thank you, Lord, for that today. Hallelujah. There was a Sunday school teacher one morning that asked her class if they understood or they knew what Easter was all about. And one little boy raised his hand and said, oh, Easter is when we all get together as a family and we eat a big turkey. And the teacher looked at him and said, well, no, son, that that." That's Thanksgiving. I think you've got it mixed up with Thanksgiving. And another little girl raised her hand and said, Oh, I know what Easter is. Easter is when we come down the stairs early in the morning and there's gifts wrapped underneath the tree. And the teacher lowered her head and shook it and said, Oh, no, no, honey, you've got it mixed up with Christmas. And finally another little boy raised his hand and said, "I, I, I know what Easter means. And so a little bit discouraged, she said, okay, tell me what Easter means. And so the little boy spoke up and he said, well, Easter is the time when Jesus was crucified and was buried and he came out of the grave. And all of a sudden the teacher's eyes and her face perked up and she thought, well, maybe I'm getting somewhere when the boy concluded. And if he sees his shadow, he goes back in and we have winter for six more months. There's a lot of confusion in our world right now about what this is all about. And there are a lot of people that are about as mixed up as those kids about what Easter is. But I am here to tell you that it is still the greatest celebration of our life. And it is in fact a celebration not of a past historical event, but it is a celebration of life of an unkillable, if that's a word, undying life. A life that could not be done away with. And not only is it a celebration of life, but it is a celebration of a whole way of life. A whole way of living, triumphant, overcoming, victorious. Those are words that should be associated with your life and mine Because of Easter, because of what Jesus Christ did on that morning when he came out of that grave. You can discount the Gospels if you want, and there are many who do. I remember reading a little bit about Thomas Jefferson, one of the presidents, probably one of the most brilliant thinkers of our time. He had more influence on the direction that America took probably than anyone else. But Thomas Jefferson had his doubts about God and about the Bible. In particular, he had a lot of doubts about miracles. And so Thomas Jefferson went through his Bible and he cut out everything he didn't believe in. And most of those were the miracles of the gospel. They were just too far-fetched for him 
It is called Jefferson's Bible and you can look it up on the internet if you want to. And it is void of all of the powerful miracles that took place in the four Gospels because Thomas Jefferson thought that that was too much for a thinking man to be able to put his hands around that God could really open blind eyes, unstop deaf ears, heal sick bodies, or raise the dead. And there are a lot of people that embrace Jefferson's Bible. But listen to me. If you discount the Gospels, and let's just forget about those, how do you explain Acts and Romans and Corinthians? And and how do you explain Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Timothy? and, And how do you explain Titus and Hebrew? and James, and second, first and second Peter, first and second, third John. And how do you explain Revelation? How do you explain men like Peter and Paul and James and Onesimus and the, the, the line of men that rose up after the resurrection and went out into their world and turned their world upside down? So much so that by a certain point in history, the entire world had been considered Christianized because of one message. And that message was, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That one redemptive message turned a world upside down. Amen. So, Easter is a wonderful celebration. In recent years, we have witnessed many great rescues. And I was thinking uh, Friday when I was preparing for today. A few years ago, I think it was on an Easter Sunday morning when the rescue actually took place. But there were several miners in Chile that had been trapped. They were thought to die if they did not get into them. They only had a certain amount of time in which they could be rescued And I remember them describing how they were going to bore a hole down through the strata of the rock and uh, they were going to go in from a different direction, how long it was going to take for them to get through. And uh, they they did all of that and finally on that particular morning, those men that had been trapped, that had been uh, caught in a death trap, if you want to call it, Their death was imminent. They were rescued from death by someone going after them. And as amazing as that was, that they could bore a hole three feet in diameter down hundreds of feet into the earth, as amazing as that was, none of that compares with the greatest escape that has ever taken place on the face of the earth. That 2,000 years ago, nobody bored into the tomb Nobody took dynamite and blasted the stone away. By the power that was in him, he rose up out of that grave. And today I bring you Easter tidings. Jesus is alive and he is alive forevermore. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Celebration, that's what it all is about. Easter is the celebration of a great message that puts meaning into our life, that sin and failure did not win 
And man did not win. Easter reminds us that he's still on our hands. Amen. He's still on our hands. Man has been trying to do away with Jesus since his birth. Herod couldn't stop him and his own people couldn't put him to death. By eliminating Jesus, they thought they could deal with him. But Easter declares that he is still on our hands. We still have to deal with him. We still have to face his truth. And we still have to acknowledge that God is mighty to save and God is mighty to deliver. Thank God for Easter Sunday. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank God for the promises that it brings to my life. Hallelujah. Easter's message can make you uh, a, a man of hope and not fear. Because in Easter's message you will find that fears can be turned into triumphs. The discouraging women who were going to the grave were bringing the spices to further embalm his body. But there was a problem. There was a 50-ton stone rolled in front of the grave. And the question was, who will roll away the stone? Their fears told them that they might be going in vain, but they went anyway. And when they got there, the stone that they were afraid of and the stone that they felt would inhibit them had been moved out of the way. That's what Easter does for us. Easter rolls away the fear that keeps us from where we need to be and where God wants us to be. So on this Sunday morning, don't let your fear stop you. Don't let your fears of what is ahead of you keep you from experiencing the joy of a risen Savior, one who is alive this morning and one who loves me so very much. Hallelujah. Easter message is simply this, that even in uncertain times, you can stand upon a solid rock. Today, let me rehearse with you just a few moments three things that I believe Easter promises me. First of all, Easter is the affirmation that God finishes what he starts. He leaves no unfinished business. For his purpose, he said, I came into the world and Herod couldn't kill him and his people could not ignore him and the cross could not stop him. Nails driven in his hands and feet could not hold him. His spirit could not be reached. You could not break that man, that inner man. And it was his spirit that would bring him out. He survived it all he carries through what he begins. And I'm so thankful about that. That what God starts in my life, he's going to finish it. However bleak it might seem today, if God started a good work in you, the Bible said he is going to finish it against that day. The great promise of Easter is that God who made us is going to keep us. And what God once made alive he will not finally allow to stay buried. He's going to find a way to get you and I up. He's going to find a way to bring life to us. He's going to find a way to remind us that he is still in the business of working things out in our lives. 
I am so thankful today that God does not quit like we do. I'm thankful that God doesn't walk away when we walk away, but He forever stays consistent, working out His will, working through His purpose, and bringing to pass what He has promised He would bring to pass. The second promise that Easter makes to you and I is a very personal message that restores hope. In Mark chapter 16, we read about women who were going to the tomb. Their hopes had been dashed and their dreams had been shattered. There were disciples somewhere hiding away in secret places because the desire of their soul had been frustrated. Because what they had longed for had been put into a grave. But there was a resurrection. And that resurrection brought back that hope that had been dashed when Mary came to the tomb. And she was there in that moment of of revelation. He spoke to her and he only said one word and that was her name. But when he called her name, a woman who before had thought he was the gardener realized this is my Lord, this is my God, this is my Savior, this is the one who loves me. I'm here to tell you that Easter is a personal message to all of us that God restores hope, that He brings back to us the possibilities that life tries to steal away from us. And God promises in our lives that if we will let Him work, He will bring to pass those dreams and desires in our life. Somebody said amen. Amen. Easter, what a personal message that restores hope. He speaks to me as an individual. And when he speaks, shadows are lifted. And when he speaks, unanswered questions are forgotten. Hallelujah. Who cares about whether the stone is going to be rolled away if he's here beside me? Amen. There's a lot of things that worry you right now, but God promises to restore. He promises that He will bring back to our lives the years that the canker worm hath devoured and the caterpillar. I'm glad that I am worshiping a God that restores today. Hallelujah. I'm glad that He restores this morning. I'm thankful that when I fail and I fall down that he doesn't leave me there but he has a way of reaching out and taking hold of my hand and saying, come on son, I've got better things for you. The last promise that I want to share with you is perhaps the most important to me this morning and one that God seemed to drill so deeply in my heart and that is that Easter is an affirmation about us. It is an affirmation about you and I, about how important you are and your life is to Him. The significance of who you are, your value and your worth is more than you even comprehend. Why else would He come? Why else would He have done what He did? God who had angels and heavens and omnipotence, and glory, and power. He could do whatever he wanted to do. And yet he didn't do it that way. He didn't come because he had failed. 
He came because we had failed. He didn't come because he needed it. He came because we needed it. And Easter declares that death is not to be the end of my life, nor is that to be the end of my hopes, that I was designed for more than a tomb and more than a life of sin and failure. And Easter's message is this. Listen to me. That the worst sinners find the greatest grace. Hallelujah. Some of you probably didn't get it. But I read to you just a moment ago that the first person that Jesus revealed himself to after his resurrection was not Peter. It was not John the Beloved. It was not Bartholomew or Matthew or any of the other disciples. And he didn't even go to the Sadducees or the high priest and say, Here I am. You still have me on your hands. The first person that he went to was a woman by the name of Mary who had had seven devils cast out of her. Seven devils devils, seven demonic spirits that had tormented her life. And when Jesus came out of the grave, the first person that he revealed himself to was one who needed him the most. You see, that's the grace of God. God's grace doesn't come because we deserve it. God's grace comes because we need it. And Easter is a great promise to me this morning that the worst sinner in this church, God has the greatest grace for you. Easter reminds us that he came to help messed up people. I saw a billboard somewhere the other day. People were invited to come to a church and under the sign, the name of the church, it said, Imperfect people welcome. Messed up people welcome. Warped people welcome. Troubled people welcome. Broken people welcome. Hurt people welcome. Why? Because the greatest message of Easter is that he did it for us. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it because my sin, my failure, my mistakes had so separated me from him that I could never bridge the gap. And so he came. And resurrection shows that he remembers us. And although Mary couldn't see him at first, he saw her. And that's all that mattered. And you know what? Some of you don't really see him clearly this morning. You see something. You know something about God and some big, some big nebulous thing there that you, you, you believe in God and you, 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 you know that some of this must be true, but you don't know how clear that. Your, your vision of him is not very clear, but you know what? Whether you see him clearly or not, he sees you clearly. Hallelujah. And he came to Mary. He came to Mary, the least deserving, the one who had the greatest history the one who had the least 
likely to succeed stamped over her head. And he came to reveal himself to her. The resurrection shows us that God is not through with us. Amen. And when the world finishes us and it's through, God said, I'm not through. And when the world says that you're forgotten, God says, no, you're not forgotten. I remember. I did this for you. That's what we sang about. He did it all for me. You know what? As grand and glorious as the resurrection is, what difference does it make that he got out of his grave if I still live in mine? And there are people that still live in their grave of of mistakes and failures and sin and hurt and anger and messed up thinking. What difference does it make if he got up if you don't? Amen. But you can get up. Some of us stay at the cross. Some of us wait at the tomb quickened and raised with Christ to linger still in the gloom. Some of us hide at the Passover feast with Pentecost all unknown and the triumphs of grace in the heavenly place that our Lord hath made our own. If Christ who hath died had stopped at the cross, His work had been incomplete. If Christ who was buried had stayed in the tomb, He had only known defeat. But the way of the cross never stops at the cross. And the way of the tomb leads on. It leads to victorious grace in a heavenly place where the risen Lord has gone. Amen. You know why I'm celebrating Easter this morning? Because He's alive and I am also. Come on, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and praise Him together right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Of all the things that God impressed upon me to talk to you about this morning, the one that He seemed to drill so deeply in my mind, is the fact that He cares for us. And the reason that He came was that the greater our sin, the greater His grace. And no matter where we are, on an Easter Sunday morning, we could know resurrection power. We could know freedom from sin and failure. We could know freedom from heartbreak and misery. And I don't know who's here. I know... God knows, and though you might not see Him, God sees you. I wonder if you just close your eyes for just a moment. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I feel the hand of the Lord here upon this place today. There are some people that are standing here right now that are wrestling with great mistakes in your life, and you're struggling with a lot of, 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 of bad choices and poor decisions. You came into this service today so messed up in your mind. You don't even know up from down. You don't know right from left. You couldn't, you couldn't tell or identify the truth if you had to right now because your mind and your thinking is so messed up. But God came to 
to bring a word to you that there's a promise on this Sunday morning, especially for you. And that promise is He came for you. He did it for you. He did it so you could be free from that burden, so that you could know joy and peace, and you could know love that is beyond understanding. He came so that you could know that life can be better. Hallelujah.